I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a new era for magic mushrooms. Our health reporter Aaron Alday is back with us. We're going to talk about why Oakland just decriminalized mushrooms and other natural psychedelics. We'll talk about the latest research on potential medical benefits of the drugs. And we'll talk about what's next for this movement, one that's long had a foothold in the Bay Area. Aaron Alday, right after this. Aaron Alday, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. So why are you writing about psychedelics? The one really obvious reason I started writing about psychedelics is because uh, this decriminalization movement has taken off um, in just kind of the last year or two. Um, it started um, in kind of in Denver is the first place where uh, where they voted to decriminalize, but then it uh, it spread into Oakland, which uh, voted to decriminalize uh, certain plant based natural psychedelics uh, earlier this month in June. Um, and now it's they're talking about bringing it to the state of California. There's um, other places around the country that are talking about decriminalization. So it's really kind of taken off this idea of not legalizing psychedelics, but just sort of making them Make kind it of so a, the police don't focus on it. And exactly. Making people. it just a real low priority is, is what it comes okay, down so to. So what is what is being uh, decriminalized and what is not among psychedelics? Right. That is a really important distinction. Um, all of these these movements are focused on plant based psychedelics. So primarily, most people are going to be familiar with that in terms of magic mushrooms. Um, that's the, sort of the most common way that that kind of consumers or regular people will consume uh, natural psychedelics. So magic mushrooms, um, but it also includes uh, mescaline, which is found, it's, it's extracted from cactus, um, mm -hmm. certain cactuses. Uh, ayahuasca is a tea from South, uh, South America that some people are familiar with um, that can be brewed from a variety of different plants. Um, and then iboga, which is um, a West African shrub, is wow. um, a little bit less common. But those are the four um, kind of predominant uh, types okay, of Okay, but not synthetics like LSD. LSD is not included in this, most definitely. Also not included is ecstasy, um, which is also known as uh, MDMA. Okay. And why why are the uh, have the movements been started to decriminalize? Is it similar to to marijuana um, where people feel like it's it's unfair? There's been a lot of disparate arrest rates. Um, why are we focusing on this or does it have more to do with the ability to study um, psychedelics for medical use? You know, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, there's definitely some piggybacking on sort of the uh, cannabis movement in terms of decriminalizing and legalizing cannabis. Um, but it's not really the same issue as far as um, kind of human rights issues when it comes to who is involved Um in Oakland, for example, there's only about a dozen arrests made involving um, psychedelics each year. Um, so it's already been a pretty low priority. Um, sure. So you don't see those those issues where you had African-Americans, for example, being busted for marijuana at like four to six times the rate of of people that smoke, you know, who are, exactly. who are white and smoke at the exact same levels. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And the truth is that psychedelics, especially these plant-based ones, have largely been in white communities, um, white, a little bit more well-off communities. Um, in fact, when I spoke with a lot of people in, in black communities, they'll say, you know, folks don't use um, psychedelics, especially these plant-based ones. There is a little bit of like MDMA ecstasy use in like the club and rave scene, um, and maybe a little bit of LSD use, but not it's not really a thing. 
Um, and so that's sort of, like I said, piggybacking on the cannabis thing and kind of talking about this being part of the broader you know, war on drugs um, and, and equality issues. But that's not really what's at play here. Um, and the same goes for studying it in the sense that um, it cannabis for a long time was really frowned on and it was hard to get um, kind of permission to study cannabis for medical uses. But the same hasn't really been true for psychedelics. A lot of people are studying it. Um, the folks I interviewed who study this said that there hasn't really been a lot of pushback the one from from the government, from uh, academic, you know, their their universities, you know, whoever is sort of supporting their projects has said, go forth and do what you will. Um, the one issue is that they they can't get federal funding. So basically, the uh, the NIH, which is the primary federal funder of research, um, <clears throat> does not support um, psychedelic study. So that's that's an issue. But I don't know that decriminalization is going to really change that. Well, unless it's decriminalized at the state and then the federal level, which seems... It would basically have to be legalized at the federal level, which I don't think anybody expects that to happen anytime soon. So why why decriminalize in Oakland then? You know, that's a good question. I think a lot of this is that this, this community has been sort of has existed in the Bay Area, this community of psychedelic users since, you know, the 60s, since LSD took off. It was really embedded in sort of that hippie counterculture movement. Um, when it was made illegal, LSD and all psychedelics in the 60s and the 70s, that movement really went underground, but it's persisted. So it's always been here in the Bay Area. Um, and I think what happened is when cannabis, you know, kind of took off and was decriminalized and then legalized in California, there was thinking, well, why are we still underground with this? Why can't we be out in the open? People are using this. Um, increase, increasingly, science and scientific studies were showing that this could be helpful for certain mental health conditions, that um, psychedelics could improve depression, they could improve PTSD, um, they could improve, um, they could help people with, with addiction issues. And why not bring that out in the open? Why not make it a little bit easier for people to access these drugs that could potentially help them and then to have safe experiences when they're using them. And so by decriminalizing, it sort of opens up the opportunity to have those conversations, to talk about how do you get these drugs? Um, how do you use them in a safe way? Um, how do you use them in a way that's most effective instead of people just sort of, you know, buying them, you know, illicitly on the on the internet or from a friend of a friend of a friend and then going home and using them by themselves and potentially having bad experiences. Sure, sure. And what's the argument to to not decriminalize? I mean, did, did people show up in places like uh, Colorado and Oakland um, to fight against it? I mean, a little bit. There's been a tiny bit of pushback, but for the most part, it's there's not really any argument against decriminalization, at least not in the Bay Area, not in the places that have been approving it so far. I mean, even the police, um, you know, law enforcement um, has kind of stayed out of this because, like I said, in Oakland, they were only arresting about a dozen people a year anyway. I don't you know, they're just sort of like you tell us if you don't want us going after these folks, then fine, we'll stop. <laughs> not a big deal. It's for really. Us anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's not a big deal for us anyway. So, you know, I think that there's some concern among scientists doctors of taking it too far and saying just it's you know we should decriminalize that just there's a lot of research that says that's the healthier way to be that criminalizing you know drug activity isn't helpful for anybody but let's let's be careful here about about not selling these drugs as you know being much more than they are they're not necessarily everybody's kind of pitching these in the community as being potentially you know lifesavers that they sure. could 
really change people's lives. But that's probably, you know, the science is still out on that. We okay. just don't know. Um, one basic question before we go further. Um, are, are magic mushrooms and other uh, psychedelics addictive? They're not. Um, I think we can say that pretty much straight up. Um, pretty much everybody I talk to says even really hardcore addiction experts, people who really study this stuff are like, no, you're not going to get addicted to this. And what are the risks? Uh, the risks are there's a small, very small percentage. I don't know that anybody has real numbers on this, um, but it's like probably less than 1% of people who are already, you know, at potential risk of psychosis. So schizophrenia or other kind of extreme um, mental health disorders that taking these could induce a psychotic episode that could be sort of a, a breakthrough episode to to then having one of these these serious mental illnesses meaning like break from reality hallucinations delusions. yeah so you kind of have the, you you would have like a hallucination or a psychedelic experience but it would you're basically not going to get out of that mm. um or it's going to be from that experience you're now going to have schizophrenia um but that is very unusual um the bigger concern is sort of the so-called bad trip which is not uncommon um people can have bad trips um, the fear, you know, we would get these sort of um, after school specials, you know, back in the back in the day of, of people kind of losing their minds and running into the street and getting hit by a car or just, you know, jumping out of a window because they're in the middle of a bad trip. Um, and that's it's not that that can't happen. It's not really going to happen for most people. If they have a bad trip. It's just going to be really uncomfortable, very unpleasant, um, you know, maybe even traumatizing and that it would stick with them. But a lot of the the folks who use these drugs will say, yeah, that's a possibility, but that's why we need to talk about how to use these safely. You shouldn't be using them alone. If somebody's sitting with you and you're having a bad time, they can they can kind of talk you through it and, and keep you safe. Um, so that's sort of, those are, I would say, the two main risks are mm. the potential for psychosis and then the bad trip. All right. Well, let's dig a little deeper into the to the medical question here. Um, you wrote an incredible piece about about people exploring the medical uses of uh, uh, of psilocybin. Um, you wrote about an Andre Humphrey who was confronting childhood trauma and said mm -hmm. that he had been helped by by I think using mushrooms. Um, yes. So um, what what is the the state uh, of medical research? What kinds of things might it be benef beneficial for? Uh, so there's a lot of medical research happening right now and um, at, at pretty highly regarded institutions that show some very intriguing results, I think would be the way to put it. Um, certainly that, um, you know, there's a study out of Johns Hopkins, I believe, that showed that people who are dealing with um, uh, tobacco addiction, who are, who are trying to quit smoking, um, that using psilocybin can help them quit smoking. It can actually help them better than the current kind of treatments for smoking. Um, it's shown promise in treating uh, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Um, there's been some studies in depression. There's been quite a bit of study in end-of-life um, care. So people who are, you know, right at, you know, they're, they're facing um, a fatal cancer diagnosis or other sort of, um, you know, serious illness. And using these drugs can kind of give them a peace of mind. Mm. Um, yeah, you wrote something that I was really fascinated by um, where someone had said that after uh, using the drugs, people were open to more to digging into what's going on, uh, perhaps talking about it. 
Um, right. So UCSF is actually doing a study looking at long-term survivors of HIV, so people who have been infected since about the 80s. And a lot of those folks are dealing with something called demoralization, where they just feel like, what's the point? What am I doing here? You know, there's just it's it's more than depression. It's just this sense of like, what's what's the meaning? Um, and what they would do is these folks in the study group would take psilocybin. They'd have a, a trip um, and then they would go to they would meet with a therapist the next day and then they go to group therapy. And some of these folks reported that after taking this drug, they felt like they could talk about traumatic events from their past, you know, losing um, lovers or partners, losing friends, um, having feared for their own life from having AIDS back in the 80s. Just a lot of really traumatic stuff that they were able to discuss for the first time. And they related that to having used, you know, essentially magic mushrooms. Um, There was something about having this trip where you have this kind of buffer by the drug, I think, where you're able to sort of analyze an experience from your past um, in a way that feels safe and kind of come to a new realization about it. This is how people describe it to me. Um, And that just sort of gave them, it almost opened this, this dam or broke down this barrier to addressing issues that had troubled them for a long time and they'd never really been able to face. Um, So, you know, all of these studies, the problem is that they're super small. They're just, you know, involving a handful of people. I shouldn't say all of them. Some of them are a little bit bigger studies, but like the one at UCSF is relatively small. I think it was about a dozen people or so. So it's really more anecdotal than anything else at this point, but it's intriguing enough that there is a lot of interest in pursuing these these fields of study. So even after all these years, we're still in somewhat of a formative stage? Yes, for sure, because there was a, la- a long break for like 20 years. There was almost no research done in this area after it was made illegal. All right. So what's next? I mean, where where are people fighting this now? Uh, where does the uh, decriminalization movement go from here? So the next step for sure um, in California is a statewide ballot measure, which there's a group that's trying to get that for 2020. Um, there's also efforts to decriminalize in other cities around the state. Um, there's actually one kind of in the works in San Francisco and other Bay Area communities. Um, I'm sure some in Southern California. You know, I think that there's still this conversation around um, if any, if they want to pursue legalization, um, that's going to be a bigger issue and a bigger debate. And I'm not sure everybody even in the community is super on board with that. There's a lot of folks who don't want to see, you know, what's happening with cannabis where you've got this sort of free market and um, they don't want commercialization um, of these psychedelics. Um, so I think that that's sort of a... A conversation that's happening now. No one's really sure what exactly they want to see over the next, you know, few years. But decriminalization on a much broader scale is definitely the next step. All right. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming in again. Thank you so much for having me. Aaron Alday wrote about psychedelics in this Sunday's paper. It's in the style section or find it at sfchronicle.com. Thanks to Aaron for joining us, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.